0: Hey this is Stefan from Studying Pixels and you are listening to our brand new format. It's called Replay. You know how video game companies like going back to old games that they've made and remaster them and sell them to you again? Well, we're going to do something similar. We're not going to sell them to you, we're going to just do it for free. Because there are many episodes that we've done throughout the last year that we think might be really worth listening to or re listening to. Many of you have joined us along the way, and that's why you might not even be aware of these episodes if you haven't scrolled all the way back into our feed. So we're going to basically bring them back. We call it replay, and we will select one episode per month and air it always on the second Wednesday of the month. If you like that, then you don't have to do anything. Just click on them in your feed. Enjoy. If you don't like them, don't worry about it. You can skip them and you won't miss out. Now for our very first replay, I thought which episode should we best take and honestly, which one could it rather be than the actual very first episode that we did as studying pixels back in the day Dan and me, we wanted to just get to know each other a little bit better, so we did an episode called Three Truths, Two Lies, where we told each other, well, three truths and two lies about ourselves and had the other one guess which one is the truth and which ones are lies. A super fun game. We should do such a thing again. It's always quite enjoyable. Now, I cut out at the very end the part where the side quests would have started because back in the day we had an episode structured in a main story and then a couple of side quests but these side quests they are usually only relevant within the time when we discussed them so i edited them out at the very end also notice how the intro music back in the day was quite a bit different we changed it along the way because we had a better idea better understanding of what studying pixels would be what it would become So now, without further ado, please enjoy this very first replay for October 2022 of our actual first episode, Three Truths, Two Lies.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: You are listening to Studying Pixels, a podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simon, a game study scholar from Germany. And I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on studyingpixels.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, the sweet smell of a new show. It's like ah, taking a freshly baked bun out of the oven.
1: <laughs> yes, it's like, or cracking open a new book. That beautiful new smell. Or opening the package of a new video
0: game, and it's like that sweet plastic odor that just (laughs) completely (laughs) ravishes your nose. My, my. I'm really looking forward to this. We've been working on it for quite a while, and uh, for you, dear listeners, of course, you know, come in, take a seat, have a cold or a hot drink, depending on what the weather situation is like for you right now. We're going to be around (laughs) every week, um, and... We will present to you a show that consists of, first of all, a main story, which will be kind of the focus point of, uh, of of an episode. It's We plan on making it roughly half an hour long. We'll see how that turns out in the long run. And then afterwards, the second half of the show will be filled by side quests.
1: Right. And the side quests are you know stories that maybe popped up during the week that we wanted to make sure that we talked about. Um, different articles that we've read or experiences that we may have had gaming, things that maybe don't fit necessarily into the main story, but that we wanted to talk about regardless.
0: Definitely, yeah. So it's a package. It's a pretty colorful package. It's one that we want to keep as accessible for you as possible. It is decisively a game studies and video game culture podcast because we want to keep things very open And just address the things that we find interesting, whether it's academic deep dives, reviews, news stories, anecdotes, whatever it may be. And of course, before we get started on our very first main story, uh, we want to point out to you that this is a free and independent podcast. We rely entirely on your support to make this happen and to get this project off the ground. That is why we want to offer you Studying Pixels Plus. This is essentially our Patreon program. And if you support us on Patreon, then you get three wonderful things. First, you get our sincere gratitude and the good feeling of supporting an independent show. Secondly, you get a lovely sticker. And I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying that it's a lovely <laughs> sticker because it says, I am studying pixels and it features our super cute mascot, potentially the cutest mascot in the world, Pixel And thirdly, you're going to get, and this is probably most important and most interesting to you, a monthly plus episode. And we're always going to announce transparently what we do for a plus episode in the free weekly podcasts. So for this month, we want to talk about what not to do when writing a term paper. As you know, as I've said in the intro, I am a game studies scholar, so I teach game studies at the university, and I've been correcting term papers for many years. And every time <laughs> when I have like a, a seminar and a batch of term papers, every time uh, the same mistakes pop up, mistakes that students regularly make and that are not necessary, that can easily be avoided. And in our Studying Pixels Plus episode, we're going to tell you about these mistakes and how not to make them. If you're interested in getting Studying Pixels Plus, then go to studyingpixels.com slash plus to find out more. Shall we head into our very first main story?
1: I'm very excited to do it.
0: (laughs) Me me too. We actually, I think neither of us really know what's going to happen because we thought that, of course, we need to introduce ourselves in some way to you out there. But introductions can be quite boring. Like you don't need to hear our CV. If you want to find out more about us, then you can go to studyingpixels.com. We have an about us section uh, where you can read up a little bit on what we actually who we are and what we do. But instead of just simply giving you facts, we thought we just mix it up a little bit. And we're gonna play a tiny game of three truths and two lies. Which means that each of us has prepared five stories. Three of them are true stories about our, I would say, like gaming-related biography, you could say.
1: Yeah, I think mine mine are all about sort of my history through Japanese scholarship leading into video game love. So they're all very relevant, and I won't give any more hints because I don't want you (laughs) taking any kind of uh, any cue for what's true or maybe what isn't.
0: Exactly, because that's, the, that's the, the kicker. Two of these stories are going to be, to some degree, fabricated. And we have to figure out, and hopefully you can figure out that with us, uh, dear listeners, which of those stories are true and which of those stories are lies. Do you want to get started then? I'm a little bit too nervous to start off with mine. Oh, I will I will gladly start stuff on because, because I, with, <laughs> these are actually stories that we don't know of each other, right? Like these are all things Correct. that we haven't told each other so far.
1: Yes, I I you you may be I will confess because you know me, we know each other a little bit from prior endeavors. So <laughs> yes. you may know a few of these, but I I've I've okay, uh, let me let me get us started here so I can uh, I'll I'll kick us off with one that um uh, I, I want to see kind of your take on. So I initially learned Japanese by playing the original version of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which I asked a Japanese school friend to buy for me when she went home for Christmas.
0: You initially learned Japanese. You mean that was your
1: starting point of studying Japanese, Birth by Sleep? That was my kickoff. In the first month that I was taking Japanese in high school, I asked my friend to do this, and that's, that was my primer into Japanese language. Well, I can buy that. I
0: can believe that. I mean, I know that you're a, a big Kingdom Hearts fan, and it would certainly uh, not be far-fetched to assume that someone gets into Japanese through video games. And it's just like, what is this language? I think I want to know more about this carried by the interest for the video game. I'm, so
1: I'm going to say it's true. You're 100% correct. That is true. <laughs> my, fr- my friend, see, I know the, the Kingdom Hearts ones are going to be the ones that I'm interested to hear your takes on, because <laughs> as Stefan said, I live and breathe that game series. But yep, my friend, uh, my friend Eriko, um, when I was going to high school with her, I asked her when this came out to pick up a copy. And um, she was telling me a story about how when she came back to the States, she uh, Customs gave her a lot of problems because of that game in her bag, and I don't know why. <laughs> is, is it illegal in the US or something? I don't know. I, I, maybe the region lock was too strong. I'm not sure what the problem was.
0: So you can't bring this game into our country. <laughs> <laughs> it's, too,
1: it's too convoluted. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> so here's one from me. I once owned a Nintendo 3DS for one month, and... Only for one month.
1: Okay. Well, I have to ask, what happened to it? <laughs> uh, I gave it away. I gave it away. Okay. Mm. Okay. Was it just because you didn't like it?
0: Uh, I can say more about that after you've made your verdict on whether okay. this is a true or false <laughs> story.
1: <laughs> Let's see. Well, I know uh, to use your words, you are a Sony pony. You're I definitely a big am. Kind of yeah. PlayStation. Yeah. So I. Mm, I I'm going to I'm going to say true I think maybe you did give it up after a month that is very much correct
0: yeah oh (laughs) (laughs) I did give it up after a month and actually the thing is that I didn't even buy it I it was oh man that was quite some years ago like 12 years ago or something 10 12 years Mm -hmm. ago I participated in a sweepstake with a like a, a printed video game magazine. You know, back then these still existed. They still exist, but nobody reads them anymore, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but I participated in a sweepstake, and it was not really – for me, it was not really about winning. It was just an interesting task. We had to write like a letter to the editors or something and hmm. make it fun. And I just wanted to participate, and I hadn't even considered what the prizes would be. And then suddenly I won the main prize, which was a Nintendo 3DS with Fire Emblem. And I really, I I had this thing in my hands. And at the time I was a big fan of the PS Vita. So I had a handheld device already and I found the PS Vita quite amazing. And then I picked up this 3DS and it was like a piece of
1: plastic. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Is that it? (laughs) Well, I, I'll die on the hill that the PS Vita outshone the 3DS and, a million different ways so i can i can understand your apprehension when you were picking up the 3ds for the first time oh yeah and it's it's not even it's like the games
0: were amazing that the, the li- game library was amazing on the 3ds but this also this three silly 3d functionality it was just it just gave me a headache i tried mm. to f- play i played fire emblem but fire emblem was also an excruciatingly tough game like it was a lot harder than what we've seen recently with fire emblem three houses right
1: Well, the old Fire Emblem games always felt like homework to me. So, I love the idea that you were given an assignment by this magazine to play (laughs) Fire Emblem.
0: So, after a month, I said, I've had enough. I'm going to give this thing away. I don't have the kind of enjoyment with it that other people would have. So, yeah. That was me. That was my my one month in which I owned
1: a Nintendo 3DS. True story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, speaking of Nintendo, so, when living in Tokyo, I had a beer with a lovely man who told me all about growing up in rural Japan. I later realized that man was Tajiri Satoshi, the creator of Pokemon. The creator? You had a beer with the creator of Pokemon? Yep, when I was living in Tokyo.
0: Without You didn't know that that was him because obviously you you did not know his, his name or couldn't identify him by his face.
1: No, he was just sort of an older guy and he saw that I had... I had a notebook out because at the time I was doing sort of field research in uh, in Tokyo, going to different shrines and things like this. And he was asking me about it, and he started telling me about growing up in like the Inaka, you know, very rural Japan. And then I put two and two together, kind of afterwards, because he had said a few things that you know he was very modest. He said, "Oh, I'm you know I'm." I'm in entertainment or I'm in design and things like that. And so put two and two together and it was him.
0: That must be a true story just because if only for the fact that a story that starts off with when I was living in Tokyo, that story (laughs) is most likely true regardless of what comes
1: afterwards because anything (laughs) is really possible. So I'm going to say that's true. I love your thinking but I'm sorry to say that is not true. Oh, that, how is, that is a lie. How I know. I wish it were true. <laughs> See, I because I thought I I thought who would be cuz I know you know that I live there and I thought who would be a a, a celebrity enough that's believable. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't even it wouldn't
0: even strike me as odd if someone like the, you know, with a certain degree of humbleness, uh, like the creator of Pokemon, I, I don't actually know that person at all and i've never seen any interviews or something of the sort but i could definitely imagine um, to just you know play it cool and not mention in the <laughs> like, do you know pikachu
1: <laughs> so that was me <laughs> <laughs> that really got he's, he's drawing on a napkin like hey recognize this guy that's all me baby <laughs> <laughs> well if we're going to talk about famous people then i've got one too um
0: so i once Uh, You know, I was in video game journalism before. Before I studied video games and before I taught video games. Um, And I once recorded a preview, a video preview for the game Beyond Two Souls, a Quantic Dream game, while David Cage, the creator of such games like Heavy Rain, uh, Beyond Two Souls, uh, Human... No, what is it called? Detroit, uh, Become Human. Become Human. Yes. While David Cage... Was sitting right next to me
1: oh this is again for the same reason that that you thought my story was true i'm i'm very tempted to call this true because i know i know your history and i also really love the idea of you sitting on a couch with david cage (laughs) and maybe being less than enthralled (laughs) so i'm going to say i'm going to say that that's true
0: yeah that's right it is true it is a That's true. true? Yes. It oh, I love this story. <laughs> it is a true oh, story. Man. But though I must say, it wasn't. It, he wasn't sitting like on a couch next to me. I was standing. I was standing, and he was sitting at a table next to me. He was so he was out of the frame. But uh, this was at Gamescom, which is you know for all of you people who are living all over the globe. The because I, I, I think it's like the biggest video game convention when you just count the people that go there. It's not I the most so. important one. Uh, internationally, but it's the biggest one. And uh, I was there as a journalist, and I had an an appointment to look at Beyond Two Souls. At this point, I must say, right now, I'm much more skeptical of the work of David Cage. I'm much more critical. Yet, at the time, this was the time when Heavy Rain had just had its huge success, right? And everyone was hyped. This was a, a truly amazing new thing, what he was doing and uh, he present uh, and i i went into that theater of the radisson hotel which is nearby the, the 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 exhibition area and i knew i had that appointment and i thought like oh yeah it's probably probably david cage personally who presents this and then he actually came in the room and presented the game and spoke about his wow. cooperation with uh, ellen page and so on and um i actually was torn in, inside because on the one hand i wanted to go to him and briefly speak to him, maybe take a picture. On the other hand, I was there as a journalist. And when I'm at at such an appointment as a journalist, I am one of the more uh, critical uh, journalists, right? I don't show (laughs) my own excitement for a game. Like, I don't go to to Activision with an Activision fan t-shirt or something, because people do that. People do that, but, but I don't. Now, while I was thinking about that, everyone else was already up there speaking to him. <laughs> so I thought, never mind, I'm just going to go. So I went to him, I shook his hand, I spoke to him briefly, I took a picture with him, and afterwards I went outside to record that video preview to you know, talk about my impressions of what I had just seen. And he was having a coffee right next to me on the table. And it was making me so nervous because I had never been in that situation before.
1: That was really a very memorable experience. That's say what. well to your point that's an incredible story but say what you will about David Cage and his work I mean it's definitely it it, it is unto itself interesting what he's what he's put together so to sit and have a coffee with him <laughs> I I think that back
0: then I was so flashed by by what he did with Heavy Rain or what the entire team at Quantic Dream did with Heavy Rain and I know there are so many things about it to poke at and to make fun of and to legitimately, very legitimately, criticize about Heavy Rain, but for what it's worth, at the time it was to me an incredibly important and impactful
1: video game. Well, I think I think that's all that matters too, and I think that's why um, there's been so much joking about his work after that, is because maybe it, it's put that in retrospect. But yeah, I agree. Heavy Rain is a credit and an incredible experience, especially at the time. Well. Moving, moving swiftly on from incredible experiences. Um, while I was walking through the mountains of Nagoya, I had to hide from a bear that was blocking my path. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> from a bear? So, from a bear. Yep. This is not video game related necessarily, but <laughs> I, I, it is <laughs> Japanese related. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I, I don't even know whether there are bears in Japan. I can tell you without giving away my answer that there are bears in Japan. There are bears in Japan. Okay. Okay.
0: Well, um I'm going to say that is probably that is probably true just because it's a story like I'm thinking thinking strategically it is a story that's not directly related to video games. It's probably one where you thought while writing this up like oh man, I still need one truth in there. (laughs) I'm going to say
1: it's true. (laughs) Well, you've hit the nail on the head exactly with with how I put that in there. So yes, it is not only true, but it was also, oh, this will be fun to throw in there. (laughs) But yes, when I was, uh, the first time I went, um, I recreated an old highway called the Nakasendo and I walked that through Japan and um, in a little area between Uh, two two villages, Magome and uh, Tsumago. I was walking and there were signs all over the place and they said there were bells and when you walked near the bells, it would say uh, in kind of broken English, you know, ring bell to scare away wildlife. And so every time you would walk past it, you would have to ring a bell. It's kind of like what monks used to do with, with their stabs. They would have sort of jingling metal bits to keep snakes and things away. So I was walking and I got to a very open stretch where I could see probably, I don't know, like, uh, you know, very, very far ahead of me. It was very wide open. And I saw in the very, in the distance, there was a black bear that was just sort of sitting there. And so I got to the side of the path and just kept an eye on it and waited for it to go elsewhere and then made very quick tracks away from it. Wow. Bears are quite territorial, right? Well, that's what I I'll, all I remember of bears is that if if they're a mother bear and they have their kids, then you, you're good. As, you're as good as gone. So, wow,
0: a bear <laughs> can. I, I've actually never encountered a bear, but I imagine it to be quite
1: an intimidating encounter. Well, this one was far enough away that it looked small, but I'm sure that wasn't the case. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so apparently we have like invisible categories here that we actually hadn't thought about because I've also got one on the. The subject of misfortune, <laughs> <laughs> So here's my story. Um, I once broke a controller, a video game controller, by accidentally, accidentally throwing it out of the window.
1: <laughs> uh, accidentally, a likely story, Stefan. <laughs> um, okay. Can I ask, just for my own edification, what kind of controller was it? It was a PS3 controller ps3 Mm. playstation 3 yeah hmm i accidentally out a window i'm i'm going to say just because i don't know if i can picture you doing that i'm going to say that this is a lie
0: yeah right on point ah okay it is a lie it is a lie (laughs) um you you are very much right you know me well because i am not the kind of person to throw things um, And, like, uh, I think... <laughs> certainly not out a window. Certainly not out the window. And especially if, like, I think the only point ever where I threw a controller, that was when I was playing a horror game and I was so scared that I accidentally threw it. But but this one is actually... The story is true, but it didn't happen to me. And it doesn't suit my character, which is why I I, I brought it. But it actually did happen to a former colleague of mine who was playing a video game and who was getting like super frustrated and he was the kind of person to throw things. So he (laughs) he was like, he got up and he had within the... He had this, this, you know, this impulse to throw the controller like many people do. It's not c- uncommon. But he was aware enough in that moment that he needed to throw it on something soft. Otherwise, it would break. So, he threw it on his bed. What he didn't consider is that the window over the bed was open. <laughs> so, the controller is just like shoo, out of the window. And I only I love that idea of like you're walking down along the sidewalk and you hear from an open <laughs> window like... Rah!
1: And <laughs> you see the controller <laughs> flying out. <laughs> oh, I love the I love the the um, the measured response of I'm going to throw this on a bed and having that completely backfire. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it is it is a true story, but it didn't happen to me. That's fantastic. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna break our string of having uh, having connected stories here, but I will say that when I was in my third year at university. I took freelance work translating video games from Japanese to English. My name appears in the credits of Persona 5 under Danny, because that's what my Japanese friends called me. No, man, you can't be in the credits <laughs> of Persona 5. <laughs> uh, nothing gets past you. I was thinking, I was, <laughs> I was thinking I'll throw. Okay. Cause there's, there's two truths in there. I did freelance work and I was called Danny. That was my nickname in Japan. But, I, yeah, I'm not in Persona 5. <laughs> I think, I mean, it's not like I know the credits of Persona
0: 5 by heart. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that would be something, uh, oh, man. I, I mean, it's not entirely unlikely that such a thing would happen in the future. I definitely had the experience that, you know, um, friends of mine have appeared in the credits of video games, and I wasn't aware that they had been, you know, uh, usually more indirectly involved with the project, such as, you know, coordinating an institution that funded the game to a certain degree and then I would you know like the credits would roll and it's like
1: huh (laughs) well I one of my uh she wasn't she didn't teach me Japanese but she was a a Japanese teacher of mine she was from uh California um and she she did freelance work and I would uh, I would have a game with her where I would name a game and I would ask if she had anything to do with it and she had Basically, from the years nineteen ninety six to two thousand two, if you named a game, she had done some kind of translation work on it, like little little bits and pieces. And so I thought maybe maybe I could get stuff on with that. <laughs> but that is an amazing thing to do, and I could totally see you doing something like that in the future, somewhere down the line. Well, listen, Atlas. My contact information is on the website. Feel free to reach out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let them know as soon as my my Japanese is up to scratch. It's uh, there. You go.
0: I'm not quite there, but maybe for just for for everyone, obviously, you're a Japanese scholar, so you're fluent in Japanese. And I'm like, I think I want to say I'm on B1 level. So just at the entrance level of uh, advanced, is that is that an adequate assertion? I think so. I mean, you know my Japanese yeah. a little bit, so I'm, I'm not quite at the beginner's level entirely, but...
1: No, you're certainly yeah. past beginner's, Stefan. You should give yourself some credit.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, there's still so, it's such a long road to travel, and I'm really looking forward to it, though. Um, we're going to go into Japanese and video games a little bit uh, further along the line. Now, here's my fourth story. Actually, also a university story, because um, in one of my classes... Uh, When I was teaching, I gave the students a task, homework. And that homework was to play and win a Fortnite game. And despite them never having played Fortnite before, they actually won a Fortnite game.
1: Okay. I I know that you've had, you've shared similar stories of of assignments or ways to think about video games and i'm thinking about what the maybe what the lesson would have been with with winning fortnite so i'm i'm going to okay because now we're we're down it could be half and half because i've been doing the math so this is either yeah yeah we have one truth and one lie left exactly i i think this is true Mm, and you would be right with that it is true okay then you, you need to tell me what the what the lesson was for this, for this yeah. assignment Well I think
0: um, I mean the, the assignment was actually on on ideologies and you know basically the philosophy of Battle Royale that's what the what the lesson ah. was all about talking about basically what is the logic behind Battle Royale and what does it mean you know for the idea of competition to which degree does a certain factor of luck and randomness? Uh, influence it, and how is it um, maybe applicable as a a construct of uh, a social microcosm, you could say, Mm. uh, Battle Royale. And I always try to encourage my students, I want to get them to really play a game, not just try a game, because that's a problem. If you say, um, try and play some Fortnite, then that means 80% of the students they're going to just install the app because it's, you know, it's free on, on pretty much all platforms. And they're going to play like half a game. And then they're going to be like, ah oh, this is boring. This is hard. I don't want to. But I thought it's different if I say win a game. There was no reward yeah. for actually winning the game. But it was just the assignment. And it actually gave the students motivation enough to team up in groups. And one group managed to win by simply hiding all the time in Fortnite because obviously they couldn't learn the game it's it's super right. hard to win a Fortnite game but they were just hiding and this you know this impending circle that would eradicate all other players did the work for them so they actually managed they were the only group to actually manage to win a Fortnite
1: game what a what a great exercise and not only giving somebody incentive to actually look into a game but then also seeing how different people react in a game that they might not play yeah that's that's really cool it Uh, is this kind of approach that if you if you want to experience battle
0: royale then you need to get into it with the desire to win and not to simply this this is often a problem from a researcher's perspective it is very tempting to just stay on the sidelines and just Think about what it might be to play this game, but you need to get into the meat of the thing in order to properly understand uh, what it
1: is. And actually have the experience. Yeah. Well, I love that. I think uh, I think I would have been very happy in your class if I were at <laughs> university. <laughs> All right. Well, my, my final story is uh, very simple. I have only one tattoo, and it is a symbol from the Kingdom Hearts series. And that is
0: a true story because i've identified the two lies already yes but obviously you must share now what kind of tattoo is it and where
1: <laughs> well so it's uh it's right on uh nowhere fun i'm afraid it's <laughs> <laughs> it's right it's right on my um my right hand wrist um and it's a it's a symbol um from birth by sleep it's the symbol of one of the the master characters and it's used in the game as kind of, a, um, kind of a wayfinder for the characters to find their way home. And the reason I got it was less about Kingdom Hearts and more because when I was in high school, um, three of my very close friends and I did a radio show and we used a lot of music from different video games. And one of the more impactful uh, soundtracks that we used was from Birth By Sleep. So I got it as sort of a reminder of those friends And the connection that I had with them through that game and through the music. So it's not it's not all just obsession. Sometimes there is real life (laughs) connection behind it. Yeah. And I mean, Kingdom Hearts is also very much a game about friendship. Right. So I
0: I really I really love that story. That's so heartwarming.
1: It was uh, I I was talking to one of my friends, Jeff, actually, who was just recently saw him a few weeks ago. And we were we were talking about that. So it's a lovely reminder of a very lovely time. Oh, wonderful! What a wholesome story! And I'm going to ruin it now with some kind of nerdy little,
0: <laughs> <laughs> insignificant thing.
1: <laughs> so uh, we can tease some sentimentality out of it, I'm sure. <laughs> so here's the last one. Um,
0: I caused a controversy once by reviewing the game Journey and giving it a particularly low score.
1: Oh no, have I lost No, no, I think because the last one was true, so this one this one must be false. That is very uh, much correct, yeah. Okay, but I could this is this is the funny thing because if we hadn't if that hadn't been last, I think I may have believed it. Mm, yeah, because it is so close to reality. Yeah. Um
0: it I I did review Journey when it came out for a big video game outlet in in Germany and I did cause a controversy but not because of rating it too low but because of rating it 100 out of 100 <laughs> 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 uh, and that kind of caused a a big debate on that particular platform around whether it's even possible for a game can a game be perfect does it need to be perfect to get a 100 out of 100? And should we even give numbers to video games and, and rate them in that way? Um, so it caused like a pretty big debate that afterwards led to some changes in the rating system. And um, I'm very glad that I did that because I still think I haven't found anything that I would criticize on that game company's <laughs> uh, journey. It's one of my most... It prob- I probably have a connection to journey similar to the connection that you have with Kingdom Hearts because it is also, Journey is also the kind of game because we want to end on a sentimental note we just said, right? Um, yes. If, if there's ever a time when I feel like low and when I feel under the weather and when, especially at times of, you know, political turmoil, personal turmoil, such things, then Journey is for me always a game that gives me hope and that just has this glimpse, it just is this glimpse of there is something like true beauty in this world like something that is just truly and purely good
1: and and that's what journey means to me i i'm very touched by that and i think that uh i think we have an idea for a future episode because games that have that evoke that feeling are precious and i think uh what a lovely way to end it stefan
0: (laughs) Ah, comfort games i'm gonna note that down for future episodes and this is where our replay episode ends. As always, thank you so very much for listening. Feel free to submit your thoughts and questions on studyingpixels.com contact. If you want to support us, you know where to go. Studyingpixels.com plus. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.